You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. My name is Micah. I'm the worship pastor here at NCC, and I'm excited that you've decided to join us this morning, whether here in this room or if you're watching us online. Thanks for joining in as well. Uh, We are in week three of our series called Healthy Habits. And in this series, we're examining five different spiritual disciplines. Okay, and so the last two weeks, Pastor Brandon has walked us through Bible study and prayer. And then next week, he's going to walk us through worship. And then Pastor Matt Brumfield is going to close us out talking about generosity. And today, I get the joy of talking to you about fasting. And so if you know what fasting is, if you've already been thinking about lunch, I just got to tell you, today's going to be hard for you. And uh, I'm both sorry and not sorry for that. Uh, But no, fasting is just quite simply this. Fasting is denying yourself of food or something else in order to focus on God in prayer. Okay, and so if you're new to this whole idea of fasting, that's what we're going to live with today. Fasting is denying yourself of food for the purpose of focusing on God through prayer. So I don't know what your experience with fasting has been like up until this point, up until you've walked into this room today. It seems, though, in recent years, fasting has become more and more common. We hear the word a lot more than we used to, especially uh, in terms of intermittent fasting. It's been common to see this in connection in popularity with the health and the wellness community. Okay, And so as people are kind of looking at that, they look at fasting as a way to maintain a healthy relationship with food, right? And one of the things that they ask in that is that they use fasting as a means of learning to discipline your body to deny cravings for things that quite honestly aren't that good for it, right? So just by show of hands, and you guys online, you can give me a little thumbs up in the chat or something like that. Uh, By show of hands, how many of you have participated you have done intermittent fasting as some kind of a health and wellness program. Anybody in the room? Okay, so a couple of you. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so there's a few of us for sure. Uh, there are loads of potential benefits when it comes to intermittent fasting. Loads of potential benefits. It slows down the aging process. It helps you to lose weight. It improves stress levels, reduces inflammation, and your risk of diabetes and heart disease. Some would even say that it improves your brain health and it gives you better skin. But I'm not here to get you to sign up for a wellness program. While I do believe that God has given us bodies and we should be good stewards of the body that God has given us, ultimately, that's not the lens through which Christians need to first view fasting. It's not a bad lens by any means. Uh, And I'm sure many of us, myself included, could benefit from a good dose of intermittent fasting. Uh, But... For our purposes today, what we're going to do is we're going to recover a biblical balance for what it means to understand and practice fasting. 
And one of the guys that, that I love who's written on this, he wrote a book called The Celebration of Discipline, is an author named Richard Foster. If you've not read that book, I really recommend it, The Celebration of Discipline. But he points us to some examples in Scripture and throughout church history of people who took on fasting as a spiritual discipline. Okay, and so he gives us Moses, King David, Elijah, Esther, Daniel, the Apostle Paul, and these guys, they all fasted. And then as we look into church history, we see Martin Luther, and then just about every other John in the Reformation. You see John Wesley, John Knox, John Calvin, Jonathan Edwards, they all practiced this spiritual discipline of fasting. And so we see that fasting is a common occurrence where people practice it throughout Scripture and throughout church history. But fasting is not, is not exclusively a Christian discipline. And this is why fasting kind of gets a weird rub, because nowhere in Scripture do we see Jesus lay out for us like, you are commanded to fast. It's not there. We see his disciples fast. We see Jesus himself fast. We see lots of people practice it, but there's not an exclusive command. And so this gets a little bit muddy. But all major world religions recognize the merit of fasting. Even early Grecian philosophers like Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, and then the father of modern medicine, Hippocrates, they all practiced fasting. Now the fact that all these guys practice fasting, does that mean that it's right or wrong for us? Not necessarily. But what it should do it should cause us to pause and ask this question. As Jesus followers in January of 2021, what does fasting mean for me? For us in this room, for those watching online, what does fasting mean for me today? And now it may sound simple, but Jesus, before he begins his earthly ministry, takes some time to go pray and fast. Jesus incorporates fasting as one of his own personal spiritual disciplines to help draw his heart toward the will of the Father and the purpose set before him. And so if the Son of God has to fast in order to prepare his heart to focus on his Father and the will of God and the purpose set before him, I think we probably should too. But let's be honest. No one really likes fasting. Not really. Because we like to eat, don't we? We like to indulge. Especially for those of us in America, we are used to an instant life. When we send a text message, we expect an immediate response. When we're scrolling through social media or streaming a movie and things start to pixelate or, buffer or, or slow down on our screens because our internet needs to buffer, we get frustrated. When we are driving it through the drive through and with our family of five, we realize that it's taken longer than five minutes for our entire family to have food in our car, in our hands, we get agitated. We are used to an instant life, and fasting runs against that. It forces us to slow down. We don't like that. Ohioans, do I even need to talk about what happens when we're at a red light and it turns green? And you don't push that gas right away. All of you road ragers out there, I'm probably the worst among you. We can just work on it together, okay? Um, but do you see it? We like things our way and right away. 
And this has deep ramifications for how we communicate with each other, how we react when things don't go our way. See, the habit of fasting helps us to stop bowing at the altar of self-indulgence, and it teaches us to give up things that we love for things that we should love even more. The heart of fasting, surrender, the heart of fasting is surrendering my wants and my desires for the will of the Father. And so we're going to look at both the why and the how of fasting this morning. And in order to do that, we're going to look at the words of Jesus, both in Matthew chapter 9 and in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to be reading in the CSB this morning. Uh, You guys can go ahead and turn there to Matthew 9, or it's going to be on the screens for you. We're going to begin in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. Then John's disciples, this is John the Baptist, Then John's disciples came to him, to Jesus, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often? Okay, so again, we see this practice. It's a normal occurrence. Why do we fast often, but your disciples, Jesus, they do not fast? So why do your guys not fast? Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests be sad, while the groom is with them. The time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. You know, when I read through this passage and I think of Jesus' example here of a groom and wedding guests, I can't help but to think of one of my favorite movies, Father of the Bride. Any fans out there? Any Father of the Bride fans? So if you're not familiar with the Father of the Bride... Okay, this is where comedian Steve Martin plays a father and he monologues through this hilarious adventure where he experiences his only daughter's engagement, her wedding planning, and her marriage. And there's all sorts of shenanigans that take place. It's a, it's a lot of fun. But my dad and I used to watch this movie together. And this year I even woke up early on Father's Day and was watching this movie all by myself. Maybe that's weird. I don't know. Uh, but Kristen comes downstairs and she's like, what are you doing? I'm going, just let me be. It's fine. Um, and, and so, I, yeah, So I, I'm sorry. But maybe that's weird. I don't know. But the reason that I'm bringing up this movie up, okay, is through the entire film, you see a mother and father who are overjoyed to have their engaged daughter with them. They are overjoyed to have her with them as she plans the big day. Now, granted, the dad drags his feet through the whole movie, but while they have their daughter with them, they don't often think about the fact that she won't be with them. They don't sit down for dinner and start having conversations about the day, and then they sit there and go, man, I just wish we could sit down at dinner and have conversations about the day. No, what do they do? They have the conversations with her. Why? Because she's there. They don't have this elaborate wedding at their house and celebrate her and celebrate this wedding day and the whole time think, man, I wish we could have a wedding at our house for our daughter and celebrate the, like, No, what do they do? They do the thing with her because she is there. It's only near the end of the movie when she gets in the car and drives away that you begin to see this joyful mourning that takes place. Because they know that she is not gone forever, but they're waiting for her return. 
See, they know they'll see her again, but they miss her with almost a homesickness while she's away. And some of you that have children that are married, you know that feeling. No matter how grown up your children get, you can't help but to see them in one sense or another toddling around the house in a diaper with, with finger paints all over the place, right? Like there's something there where they never quite grow up and there's this both a joy that comes in letting go along with a sweet sorrow. And while Jesus is present with his disciples here on earth, they didn't need to fast They didn't need to fast because he was with them. See, Jesus knew that one day he would go to the cross. He would lay down his life for sinners. He would be buried in a borrowed tomb and raised from the grave, conquering death. He knew that he would leave his disciples and ascend to heaven where he would go to prepare a place for them. But in this moment, he was with them. That should give us an indication of why we fast today. We fast to be reminded that we are waiting for the wedding feast to come. We are without Jesus physically right now, but one day, just like we sang, he will return and we will celebrate him. Fasting makes us ache for the kingdom to come. It makes us ache for the kingdom to come. In his book, A Hunger for God, John Piper speaks of this as a homesickness. When we fast, our physical hunger, the denying of ourselves of our comforts, it should cause us to lean ever more into the person and work of Jesus because our hunger reminds us that things are not as they should be. The ache causes a longing for days to come. It causes us to long for the return of our king. David Mathis in his book, The Habits of Grace, remarks on Matthew 9, and he says this, we fast in this life because we believe in the life to come. We don't have to get it all here and now because we have a promise that we will have it all in the coming age. We fast from what we can see and taste because we have tasted and seen the goodness of the invisible and infinite God and are desperately hungry for more of him. We are hungry for more of him. Unfortunately, we don't often live in that mindset, do we? Often we live in the mindset of rock icon Freddie Mercury as he sings, I want it all. I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now. We trade creator for creation. We settle for moth and rust. Now, I'm not saying that our stuff, I'm not saying that our food is sinful. God has given us these gifts. However, elevating those gifts above God is sinful, God gives us these gifts. He enjoys blessing his children. John Piper, again in that book, A Hunger for God, he talks about fasting in this way. He says, fasting keeps us from turning gifts into gods. Let that resonate with you a little bit. Would you say that out loud with me? Fasting keeps us from turning gifts into gods. One more time, because some of you were just 
you're kind of waking back up with me. It's okay. Fasting keeps us from turning gifts into gods. And so maybe you're thinking, like you hear that and you go, Micah, look, food is not a god for me. Maybe. But fasting will show you if you're wrong. Fasting teaches us just how much we value things. It shows us the wolves that creep at our doors. See, when we ache in hunger and we cave to the craving, rather than fighting through with our fast, we realize that things have more power over us than we thought they did. When fasting brings on the ache of hunger, we must ask ourselves this question. When have you hungered for God to the point where it caused you to ache for him? When have you hungered for God to the point where it caused you to physically ache for him? Have you hungered for Jesus more than a chocolate brownie or ice cream? Have you hungered for Jesus more than a juicy, medium, rare steak or your favorite pizza? Have you hungered for Jesus more than likes on your social post? Have you hungered for Jesus more than that next episode that you're binge-watching? Have you hungered for Jesus more than the newest phone or more than that upcoming vacation? Have we desired and longed for Jesus more than these simple, frail things? Let's think of it another way. When you feel stressed and you need comfort, what do you run to? Do you run to food? Put one extra scoop of that ice cream? Do you run to one too many drinks? How do you medicate when you feel overwhelmed? Do you run to the Father or do you run to something else? You know, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is our comforter. And fasting trains us, it teaches us to run to the Holy Spirit for comfort instead of running to other things. It reveals to us that we have more idols in our pantry and in our fridge than we thought we did. It's a discipline, though. It takes practice. Because naturally, we don't run to the Holy Spirit for comfort. Naturally, we run to all of these temporary failing things, which is why this is a habit. It's a spiritual discipline to be learned and practiced. And fasting helps us to focus in on this mindset that Jesus is enough, the Holy Spirit is our comfort, and the Father will sustain us. I found this quote during my message prep, and it was actually talking about learning a second language, but I kind of like it. It says, practice until it becomes a second nature for you. Practice until it becomes your next layer of skin. Imagine if our second nature, like the very first thing that we did when we felt uncomfortable or overwhelmed or stressed out, was that we ran to the comforter rather than these temporary failing things. The spiritual discipline of fasting trains us to do that. It takes work, but it trains our souls to hunger for Jesus more than anything else. Fasting, like we've said already, keeps us from turning gifts into God's. So let's look some more at what Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. 
This is interesting here because Jesus not only looks at the method, a little bit of the method behind how we should fast, he also does what Jesus is so good at, and he gets to the heart of the matter. He has us examine our motives. Verse 16, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to other people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, let me contextualize this a little bit for us in 2021, even though I think it's fairly straightforward. If you're fasting and you do something silly like, I don't know, post on social media about being super hangry, or you say something like, 20 days into my 40-day fast, hashtag 12 pounds down, hashtag hungry for Jesus, so blessed. Can I just say you're doing it wrong? The point of fasting is not to draw attention to ourselves. In fact, if you're doing it that way, Jesus in this passage basically calls you a hypocrite. He like pushes them aside. You see what he said there? He said, if you do this for others, fine, go ahead. You've got your reward. He tells us, put oil on our head and wash our face. In other words, clean yourself up. Wake up, get ready for the day when without grumbling at your coworkers, complaining to your spouse, yelling at your kids, or posting prideful hashtags, focus your heart on Jesus. That's the heart of fasting. See, fasting helps us to put things in a proper perspective. It helps us to keep Jesus in the correct place, and fasting keeps us from turning gifts into gods. So once we have our motives in check, okay, once we go about this thing and we say, okay, I'm going to practice this discipline of fasting, I want to focus my heart on Jesus, I want to hunger for him more than these other things. Once we have our motives right, I think there are some things that we can do that'll help us be more successful as we learn to exercise this muscle, if you will, okay? And so I'd like to give you six, help, six fasting tips, okay, or helps. Okay, that's the thing that Pastor Brandon's kind of been doing through the series. We've tried to give you these individual things that you can write these down and go, if I'm gonna try to practice this discipline, this is gonna give you a good launch ramp, if you will, okay? And you can find these also, these will later be on the website that Pastor Dan mentioned earlier, so nchapel.online slash habits, and you can find some of these there. Number one, start small. Start small. Okay, and so if you have never fasted before, I do not recommend going home and launching into a 40-day solid food fast this afternoon. Okay, it it may not end well for you. Uh, Now, I'm not saying that that's impossible, If you truly believe the Holy Spirit was leading you to that place, I'd advise you to gain some wise counsel, both from your physician and from uh, some trusted people in your life. But I would say, by and large, I don't recommend a 40-day food fast, especially if you've never done this before, okay? I wouldn't recommend that. Start small. Commit to fasting maybe one meal a day for a week. Maybe you fast during lunch for a week. Or maybe you fast for just a single day out of the week. The point point is this, bigger is not necessarily better when it comes to fasting, okay? Bigger is not necessarily better. If you start small, 
with this discipline, you're more likely to be able to build on it because you're going to have success. And then in later fasts, you're going to feel like, hey, you know, I, I fasted for that day. I felt like that really helped me to focus on God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go two days this week. And you can build upon it. But if you start big and three days into your 40-day food fast, you cave because that ice cream sandwich is screaming your name in the fridge, you're going to feel like a failure, And you are more likely to kind of push this discipline aside and go, yeah, I just can't do fasting. It's not for me. Start small. Let me encourage you. Start small. Stick it out. Okay? Number two is to make a plan. Planning is essential when it comes to fasting. How long are you going to fast? What will you fast from? What are you fasting for? Is there something that the Holy Spirit has laid on your heart Here you're going, man, I feel really burdened to pray for this. And so as I'm praying for that, I'm going to fast so that every time I feel hungry, I'm going to remember, Jesus, you're enough, you're sufficient, you're in control. I want to come to you with this. When will you pray? Okay, so if you're doing this at lunch, but uh, you're fasting from lunch, but you typically work through lunch and you got a lot of coworkers that are with you, when are you going to take the time to pray? Does that actually work? Are you fasting alone or are you asking others to fast with you? So maybe if you're in an MC, you're going, hey, our MC, we're going to fast together for something. That's fine. That's awesome. How are you planning to hold one another accountable? And if you mess up, if you fail, what are you going to do? If you don't follow through with the plan, are you going to beat yourself up? Are you going to start back the next day? What do you do? Just make a plan. It's been said that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And this is especially true when it comes to fasting. And then another, the third one, and this is a, a good connection with making a plan, consider how this will affect others. Okay, now this is just a moment of transparency. I got this super wrong when I first tried to start incorporating fasting as one of my own spiritual disciplines. Okay, super wrong. Uh, So I was reading a book uh, about this discipline, and I decided that I was going to fast for two weeks, okay? And so I get to get all my plan together. I'm like, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to fast for two weeks. And so I do what anybody does, right? Uh, I send a text to my wife, and I go, hey, here's the deal. I'm not going to eat anything for two weeks. I'm fasting. I want you to be praying with me. Uh, Just want to let you know. So what I had failed to do in that moment was realize, one, my wife is a planner, she likes to know things a little bit more in advance than that. So she'd already bought all the food for our whole family for the next two weeks. She had a meal plan. And I'd also forgotten that two nights during this period that I had said, hey, we're doing this, we had friends coming over for dinner. Okay, and so that would be a little awkward, right? Like, hey, guys, how's it going? How's that, how's that steak? That, that's doing good? Yeah, no, I'm okay. I'm not eating. I'm, I'm fasting, you know, whatever. It doesn't work that way. Consider how it's going to affect others. Because what I had done is I had taken everything that Kristen had done to kind of work with our family and plan for us. And I'd push that aside and said, you know, it doesn't really matter that much. You do your thing. I'm going to do my holy thing. And that's, that's stupid. Don't do that. Let me just tell you. If you're doing that, you're going to get it wrong. Uh, and so now what I'll do is I will typically message Kristen. I'll go, hey, I feel like God is calling me to fast. This is what I would like to do. Will that work for us? Okay, because she realizes what? It's going to affect all of us. Because inevitably... Two days in, I'm going to get grumpy. It's just the deal. God's working on me on it, but I get grumpy when I don't eat. Anybody else? Yeah, you guys get grumpy when you don't eat? Hey, that's what it is. And so she needs to know, hey, Mike is not just being an idiot. He's actually hungry uh, most of the time. So number four, 
try different kinds of fasting. Okay, throughout scripture, we see all different kinds of fasting. Uh, there's some where it's, um, so typically when we look at fasting, it's considered you fast from all solid food except for water for an extended period of time. So when we see it in scripture, that's typically what it is. You fast from all food except for water. Um, and so maybe when you're practicing this discipline again, you might consider fasting lunch or breakfast for a day, or maybe you fast from a specific type of food. Okay? And so you say, hey, for, you know, for the next month, I'm not going to eat any sweets. Okay? And every time that I go to reach for that sweet, or every time I go to reach for that ice cream in the freezer, I keep talking about ice cream. You guys are kind of feeling my vice, aren't you? Uh, so every time I reach for that, I'm going to pause. I'm going to go, no, that's... That's not what I'm doing. Let me focus my heart back on Jesus. Let me pray for the things that I'm praying for. So maybe you're fasting from a certain thing. Uh, a few years back, the Daniel fast was really popular, and this is essentially you look at uh, what Daniel and his friends who are in Babylonian captivity, they're offered the meat that is unclean, and they say, no, like, we, wouldn't want to, we don't want to do that. Can we just have vegetables and water, and we'll see how this thing goes, okay? Um, and so for some of you, maybe you just do veggies and water, and some of you, that sounds terrible. And so you don't want it to use, like, I'd rather eat nothing than just veggies and water. Um, but maybe that's for you, okay? So try different kinds of fasts. Okay, so as you're learning this discipline, again, this is a learning process, right? We're practicing it. Don't expect to hop in and get the 40 days all at once and feel like you're good and don't eat anything. Start small. Make a plan. See how it's going to affect others. Try something different, or maybe you fast from something other than food, okay? So it could be that due to health restrictions, uh, you're unable to completely fast from food for a full day. And, so, and also, for some of you, food is not a thing. Like, you, if you could go all day and not eat, and it's not going to bother you. Like, you're the type of person that someone has to remind you, hey, eat. Like, this is good for you. You don't want to fall over, right? Um, but food's not something that reminds you to hunger for God. And so I would encourage you to fast from whatever takes up the majority of your free time, okay? So for you, maybe that's video games. Maybe it's the platform that you binge watch, whatever TV show you watch on. For those of you who listen to lots of podcasts or do a ton of YouTube videos, maybe instead of 10 or 12 podcasts, you bring it down to one, okay? Maybe you spend a little less time on YouTube. I mean, imagine if we would do this, though. Like, what if we spent as much time in prayer and in fasting as we did watching TV? Even for one day a week. What if we prayed and fasted more than we scrolled through our news feeds? You know, I had a young man that I was discipling once. And he told me, Mike, I just don't have enough time in the day to read my Bible and pray every day. Like, it's not... I just don't have time to do it. And the whole time he's talking to me about this, I'm thinking, dude, you were up till 2 a.m. playing video games and you were late to our meeting this morning. You have the time. You're just not setting the priority. Fasting keeps us from turning gifts into gods. You know, it's puzzling sometimes. We wonder why we can sometimes be such a selfish and distracted people. 
And I wonder, I think, I think one reason is because we've created platforms that perpetuate our own pride and idolatry to the point that we post about ourselves and find all of our worth and value in how many likes we get on cute pictures of our kids, our workout goals, or the new whatever. We just throw it out for everybody. And instead, we should find our worth and our value in who God says we are. Our value is not in our likes, it is in our likeness. We are created in the image of God. Our value is not in our likes, it is in our likeness. Because God breathed life into your lungs and brought you into this world, you have value as his creation. Your role is to glorify him and make him known. And anything outside of that should either enable you to do that better or it's driving a wedge between you, the purpose for which you were created, and the one who created you. One of the most spiritually rewarding fasts that I ever participated in was a fast from social media. And I deleted these apps from my phone because I kept being tempted. Like my notifications would go off and I kept just like trying to pull my phone out of my pocket, and I'm looking at it, no, put it away. So I deleted the apps off of my phone. And what that fast helped me to identify was this. The Holy Spirit for a long time had been trying to speak to my soul. But what I found is that I was consistently overwhelmed by all of these voices and I, that I was allowing in my life, and I realized I didn't need a ton of voices. I needed God, I needed my wife, my pastor, and a few trusted friends, and that was it. So I deleted the apps from my phone. Initially, that was supposed to be for a few days, but it's continued even until today. Now, I'll still check Facebook. I'll log on typically on my computer, and I'll hop on every once in a while. I'll check it there, but I don't check it on a ton on my phone because I'm less likely to go pull my computer out, open it up, and check stuff. See, Anytime that I need my phone to do something for NCC, I'll reinstall the app. It takes about 30 seconds. I log back in, do the thing that I need to do, and I delete the app again. And maybe that seems silly. Maybe it seems crazy. I don't know. Um, And it may not be a problem for you. But I had allowed social media to become an idol in my heart. And I was allowing it to to tell me that I was valued based on the interactions that I was getting. And I wasn't listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Jesus once taught, if it causes you to sin, cut it off. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. And could it be in January 21 that we sin much more with our hands and our eyes like this, scrolling through news feeds. And again, it may not be you. It was me. If it causes you to sin, cut it off. Fasting is a good way to determine how much of a hold these things have over us. Then lastly, focus on Jesus. Remember, the ultimate goal here is not how long or what you fast. The goal is for you to hunger for the kingdom to come. 
The goal is that in moments of physical hunger, you'd be reminded of your deep need for Jesus and hunger for him all the more. Fasting should center our hearts on God. Richard Foster, again, in the Celebration of Discipline, writes, If our fasting is not unto God, we have failed. Physical benefits, which we can gain from fasting. Success in prayer, which we can gain from fasting. The enduring power, spiritual insights, these must never replace God as the center of our fasting. And this is the, the, the heart of what he is saying here. Satan always tries to counterfeit what God creates. Always. And so when we fast, he does this thing where he will distract you with little things. So maybe you're a type of, you're a person who's been trying to lose weight for a long time and you just happen to pick up fasting as a spiritual discipline. You're going to drop weight. It's part of what physically happens to your body when you fast. Satan will tempt you to focus on a scale rather than a savior. If you're a person trying to limit social media, you're going to get a serious case of FOMO and feel as though you're going to miss out on everything that is happening in the world. And Satan is going to convince you that you need every voice on your phone rather than the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. For the TV show binger or gamer, a new season you didn't know about is going to come out. More downloadable game content is going to happen and it's going to be on sale. And Satan will try to convince you that Jesus isn't enough. And that you need these things to fill your soul. Don't believe the lies. Jesus is enough. He is better. He gave his life to pay the price for your sins so that you could answer the call of the Father and seek Jesus for repentance and new life. If you this morning are here at NCC or you're watching us online and you feel the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin and is making you aware of your need for Jesus to save you, would you respond to him? In this room, there's a prayer card in the seat in front of you. If the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, whether it's about fasting or it's about giving your, your life to Jesus as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, Write that down on the prayer card. We're going to have a time in a few minutes when you can do that and put it in the offering boxes and someone will be in touch with you this week. If you're watching online, send us a message. Pastor Matt will hit you right back, okay? This is important. Fasting causes us to focus our hearts on Jesus more than anything else. And it's so hard to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit because we so quickly and conveniently cloud our hearts and our minds with false temporary comforts. It's like he's trying to speak, but we don't give him enough room to get a word in. Because we're so busy filling ourselves with all of these other things. We focus on the gifts rather than the giver. So what does this mean for you in January of 2021? Maybe the most healthy habit you can form this year is to fast for the glory of God so you can hear the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Because fasting keeps us from turning gifts into God's. The band's gonna come and they're gonna lead us in a time and as they sing, I want you to pray. So I don't want you to stand, I don't want you to sing. You can sing if you want to. Uh, but as you're seated, I want you to take some time and pray. 
and ask the question, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me? What is my next step here? Maybe you do need to fill out that prayer card or send us a message online and begin to talk to someone about having a new life in Jesus. Maybe you need to write down a plan. I'm gonna fast on Wednesdays. I'm gonna fast breakfast. I'm gonna ask my friend Joe to do it with me. Here's how long we're fasting. The band is gonna lead us in a song called Yet Not I, But Christ In Me. And really, I think that's the heart of all of this, isn't it? We deny ourselves, not for our glory, but for the glory of God. And we can't do it on our own. We need Christ in us to equip us, to strengthen us, to do this work. NCC, we say all the time, we want to be the church that makes much of Jesus every day to everyone. That begins with denying things in our lives that all too often take up space that Jesus alone should occupy. Let's pray together. God, give us strength to do what we cannot do on our own. Give us wisdom. Let us trust in you. Lead us where you go. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, it goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at nchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces, making much of Jesus every day to everyone.